coming to you live from Rob's living room. It's the Mike and Rob podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mike and Rob. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the Mike and Rob podcast. My name is Mike, and uh, joining me soon is uh, our co-host, Rob. Uh, At the moment, however... Uh, we are not recording together. Today, we're doing a different approach to the podcast, simply out of necessity. Uh, necessity being the mother of invention, we have invented a new way to do this podcast, for this particular episode at least. Um, basically, what's been going on is that our schedules have not been uh, matching up. We haven't really had much time to hang out and do a podcast. Uh, yesterday, we hung out to watch the A's lose their first um, chance at a playoff game for, for this season, but, uh, they lost it. So, um, that game ran late. We were planning to record a podcast, uh, after the game, it ran into, uh, the, I don't know, 10 o'clock hour, but I think almost to the 11 o'clock hour. And, uh, that was a little late since Rob had to be at work early the next morning. And, uh, I was having some technical difficulties with audio recording equipment anyway. So, uh, we're trying this thing where we will uh, be coming to you from remote locations. Uh, I am uh, not even at my house right now. I'm in my car uh, recording into my iPod. My, I'm sorry, my iPhone. And uh, we will uh, check in with Rob, who's going to listen to this and send a response uh, recording. And I will edit them together, his response, and then another response from me and another response from him. And we'll, you know, patch them all together and have a little show. So, uh, I've never really gone solo on this part like this on the show before, but, uh, I'm going to run through a few things we want to talk about on today's episode. Uh, the first thing is the A's losing. We're big A's fans, as you may have noticed from, uh, other podcasts and, uh, from other episodes. And, uh, went over to Rob's house last night to watch the game and, uh, man, we had it. We had it in our hands. We had a seven to three lead. Uh, against the Kansas City Royals, and we blew it. We just blew it. Rob, why do you think we blew it? What's going on with that? You you can chime in on that in a moment. And then um, also wanted to mention that on the last episode, episode 26, uh, we were reviewing the new U2 album, and we're getting to a point where that's kind of old news, but hey, let's finish reviewing it. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of that. Um, or we might put it off, kind of see what Rob has to say about it. Uh, and then, um, I wanted to also comment on, um, the ice bucket challenge. I don't know what the hell we're going to do. We're probably just going to have to donate some money. We don't have time to actually get together to record an actual podcast. So I don't know. We're just going to donate money, I guess. Uh, it's really funny that the ALS challenge or the ice bucket challenge uh, for ALS funds, the the craze, the uh, zeitgeist, the fad of doing the Ice Bucket Challenge has come and gone in literally about a month. It was a slow build from a few minor celebrities to bigger celebrities, and then it went viral, and uh, everyone was doing it, and now it's pretty much gone, obsolete. There's other things in the news, so people aren't as concerned with dumping ice on their heads, ice water on their heads, but not to back down from a challenge. We have had some people actually asking about why aren't you doing anything? And we had some ideas about things we wanted to do to make it more interesting, but we just don't have the time or resources. Apparently I got to get Rob, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe I should get him fired. That would be a great way to have him have more time to do the podcast. So um, if you have ideas for ways to help me get Rob fired, feel free to write in. Let's do that. Um, you know, in, in, in ways that uh, don't make it look like we were trying to get him fired. But uh, we'll just this will just be between me and you, listener. So um, other than that, let's go check over to Rob and see what he has to say for his first segment, uh, which we'll call Rob's Corner. How's that? Uh, Rob, over to you at Rob's Corner. Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Rob's Corner. Just going to follow up on everything that Mike was talking about in our uh, trade-off podcast here. Um, I guess my first topic that I was challenged with was the A's losing and how did it happen. Boy, I actually had a group of A's fans at the office today and rather than discuss it during work time, we all agreed to have kind of a therapy session at lunch. So we all cried into our bowls of pho at at lunch and uh, enjoyed some good Vietnamese food while bitching about um, what what that abortion was all about last night. Man, that was just such a gut-wrenching game. I I want to say as as a baseball fan that that was an exciting game. You know, what a great game it was, how back and forth it went, all the lead changes and... No, neither of the teams really wanted to call it quits, and but it, in my heart of hearts, I'm just like, you know, that really sucked, the way it ended. Um, I'm not going to name any specific players. There were just a lot of defensive mistakes. Um, yeah, what the hell. Derek Norris not being able to catch a pitch out, that's just, that was inexcusable. The, the, the Royals didn't really have too many solid hits against the A's that, that scored any runs. They were just kind of dinking and dunking all over us, sealing bases. And it just seemed like the A's were all too happy to let them do it. Derek Norris was just helpless to stop it. Um, they just got, they had a guy on third every inning, it seemed like. Um, defense from Jed Lowry didn't help. Still not really sure why Bob Melvin pulled John Lester in the seventh inning just so he could put in Luke Gregerson. Um, in my opinion, it probably should have been a bod if he was going to go to anybody, but um, there's that. Wasn't real thrilled with a lot of the coaching decisions that Melvin made either. Uh, hopefully uh, the A's ownership next year will increase their budget for Billy Bean. I mean, if he can do this with a $60 million team, imagine what he could do with, say, an $80 million budget or a $100 million budget. I would have to believe that it would be... Something pretty spectacular, pretty epic. Then again, I don't know, maybe Bean's interested in the challenge of uh, trying to do it with the limited budget and win, win a championship. We'll see what happens next year. I'm, I'm sure that uh, there will be a shakeup of the A's. Certainly there's going to be players at the end of their contracts not coming back, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see then. So the, the U2 album... I think it's going to be kind of difficult for Mike and I to have a entertaining discussion, at the very least, about a U2 album. Um, so we'll we'll save that for another time. That'll be a, to be continued on another podcast. Um, the ice bucket challenge, yeah, man. We had, we had a couple of good ideas between the two of us. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything in case we actually do decide to do one of the do one of the ideas we came up with. But yeah, that thing just fizzled out. Um, 
Uh, personally, I think I'm just going to donate money. If you guys really want to see us dump ice ice water on our heads, then we'll just dump ice water on our heads. It'll be entertaining, and, and you can watch. I'll even wear a white shirt so you guys can get max entertainment for, for your for your time spent there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. Mike and I will do something on the Ice Bucket Challenge. It was kind of interesting how, how hot it was and how quickly it faded away. Um, I guess that's, I don't know, there's an expression for that, right? Something about matches burning or candles burning. One that burns twice the hot, it lasts the shortest. I don't know, something about that. Um, I don't know that getting me fired is, is an effective way to create more time. Well, I'm sure it would be. But at the same time, I'd probably be spending my newly found free time not working, trying to find yet another job, um, or possibly coming up with creative ways to make more money. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> you guys just use your imaginations, and we'll go on from there. Anyway, uh, I'm going to send it back over to Mike um, with nothing to talk about. Uh, hopefully he can add on to something that I've already said. Um, but uh, I, I, let's let's not go with getting me fired, even in creative ways. That that uh, that'd be great. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate you kicking it back over to me. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Mike's corner. Rob has his corner. I have mine. I'm coming to you from my car, which is running and is in drive, and I am now going from a green light. Isn't it thrilling to be on this ride with me? I hope my air conditioning in my car is not uh, overwhelming for the audio. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to take it from here. Uh, thanks, Rob, for that update about uh, why the A's suck so bad. Uh, that was very in-depth and boring for many uh, non-sports fans. So, um, a couple things we're going to do today. Um, and, and regarding getting Rob fired... There's lots of ways to get Rob out of his job. We could um, frame him for murder. We could... And uh, we could just frame him for kidnapping. You know, it doesn't even have to be all that serious of a crime. It could just be um, involuntary manslaughter. You know, it's different. But it still might interrupt his job schedule. And, uh, you know, while he's at home looking for a new job... Uh, from the com- from the safety of his own home computer and all that sort of thing, I could come on over and record a podcast with him, right? That would make sense. So we're going to do a new uh, bit here. It's not a bit. It's a segment. And our segment is going to be where I'm going to ask Rob some questions about himself and his opinions and his life and his theories on uh, what it all means. And, uh, yeah, so let's start. Rob, 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 what do you think is better, butter or margarine? And you can decide what I mean by better by telling me if, you know, you think it's, if taste is more important or health is more important, you know, that sort of thing. That's up to you. Butter or margarine is the first question. You might want to be jotting these down, Rob, while you're listening to this so that you can um, uh, catch it and, uh, and make sure to uh, write, them all, write them all down and then you'll, you'll remember them for when it's time for you to record. Um, isn't this fun, kids? We're doing it a totally different way and it's interactive between myself and Rob without ever 
being in the same room. Um, next question is, what would you rather do? Would you rather be a lion, like an actual lion, but you're lost in New York City and you're scared and you're like running around and, and people might be trying to kill you to keep themselves safe? Or would you rather be in outer space, butt naked, for a whole 60 seconds? Because there's a theory that you can, you can survive in outer space, you won't like explode, but as long as you continually rotate, um, all parts of your body turning toward the sun and away from the sun so that you don't, you neither burn nor melt, or I'm sorry, you neither burn nor freeze to death. And let's say that that's happening, but you have to like hold your breath for 60 seconds, which in this scenario is something you can do. I know maybe your record right now is like, you know, 20 seconds or something like that. But in this scenario, you're able to hold your breath for 60 seconds. It's uncomfortable, but you can do it. And that's your scenario. So do you, would you rather survive for a minute naked in space? Um, and it would hurt because you're going to have to deal with both simultaneously burning and freezing and burning and freezing. And it will happen so that as you're rotating away from and toward the sun... Uh, it melts the freezing part of you and the, the burning part gets cooled off as you rotate around. So it's keeping you at a constant mid-temperature. But in between, it really hurts. Or would you, like I said, rather be uh, a, a young, not, not an old lion, you're, you're spry, but you're not a little lion cub running around in uh, modern-day New York City, terrified for your life, that, and you might die in this scenario because someone might shoot you, like animal control might have to take you out. So, but you might live too. So this is a would you rather be a lion naked and afraid in New York City or an astronaut naked and afraid in outer space. Next question. Um, if you had a billion, not a million with an M, but a billion with a B, billion dollars what would you do with it and you can't give it away to charity that's the one thing we want to know that's what all the crazy listeners out there are clamoring to know about you is what would you do with a billion dollars and I know that at one point in your life you just said you would buy an island and name it Rob but you're not allowed to do that in this scenario okay so what would you do with a billion dollars also fourth question um, we want to know what your favorite um, Chef Boyardee entree, canned entree, is. Uh, is it the raviolis? Is it the spaghettios? You know, there's there's a lot to choose from there. So go ahead and let us know which one it is. And uh, finally, question number five. Um, we the the world wants to know. Uh, that uh, if you weren't uh, the kingpin of um, commercial insurance, prop- commercial property insurance uh, that you are today, what would you be doing with your daily life as a career if it wasn't 
the the glamorous, gorgeous lifestyle of uh, uh, insurance underwriter. That's what audiences want to know. Do not deny them the thrill and the excitement of getting to explore and pick the mind of Robert Florence. Uh, yes, that those are our questions to you. By the way, I'm going like 80 miles an hour right now. Don't tell the cops, but I'm on the freeway, so it's safer than if I were doing it on side streets. Um, and I'm passing Rudd Gear Road on Highway 680 northbound. Isn't that cool, people? It's like you're here with me in the car. Hope the air conditioning is not too loud. Over to you, Rob's Corner. Fascinating, Mike. A fascinating line of questioning. Lots of open doors there. Lots of avenues. Lots of ways to go with these questions. I'm really excited to answer them. Glad to hear that you're, well, hopefully you made it safe to your destination. Driving like a banshee down 680. Um, But, uh, yeah. As far as framing me for murder or kidnapping, I'm much too smart for that. I would see any plot coming. And I would turn it around on you and end up framing you for murder or kidnapping. You know what? It doesn't matter what it is. If you try and frame me for kidnapping or even shoplifting, I'm framing you for murder. So deal with it. Um, And another thing, if somehow you guys cause me to lose my job, I'm just going to start a no podcast rule while I'm unemployed. Once I get a new job, then I can start doing podcasts again. And I know how valuable my podcast input is. So, um, so, um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to institute a strict no podcast rule while, uh, while unemployed. Now let's get into, uh, to your line of questioning. Um, butter or margarine. That's, uh, that's a good start. I, 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 you, you mentioned the, you know, we can't go just on taste, you know, what about health reasons? If you're eating margarine for the health reasons, you're going down the wrong alley here. Margarine, they found, is not any better for you health-wise than butter. So, I mean, if you're going on taste, you might as well go on butter or or eat butter because margarine is not really much better for you. And it tastes a whole lot. Butter tastes a whole lot better. Now, if you have a slip and slide that you want to use and you don't have any water or anything, then you got to go with margarine. The oil that margarine makes up just makes for a much more uh, frictionless surface and better viscosity for uh, for for sliding down a uh, a slip and slide than does butter. Butter tends to congeal after a little while, whereas margarine can stand up to the frequent use. It's almost like uh, using a motor oil, if you will. So um, it just depends. It depends on the avenue. Taste, I got to go with butter. Slip and slide, I got to go with margarine. So, uh, okay, next question. So, um, would I rather be a lion <laughs> lost in New York City or in outer space, naked and afraid? I, I just think no matter what the situation is, I got to go with lion. Just because being a lion has kind of been a childhood dream of mine. Now, if I'm going into New York City, I you, I don't know. You didn't set a whole lot of parameters, so um, I just gotta assume that I would act like a lion. So I'm gonna say that I would just probably try and maul as many bad guys as I could, and then maybe, maybe when someone tried to come shoot me, they'd be like, "No, don't kill that lion," 
he does good for the city. And then they would create a statue of me and put it in front of the New York Library in between, but much bigger than the two stone lions that are out front of the New York Public Library already. I think the outer space question, that's just... There's so many things that could go wrong being naked in outer space. Okay, yeah, I can I can try in turn, but have you seen gravity? You can't do much when you're just floating out in space. You pretty much have zero control over, over your body, where you can go, what you can do when you're in outer space. So, I know, I could try, like, twisting and stuff, but any movement that I expel is just going to cut down on how much how long I can hold my breath. And not to mention the fact that there's no pressure in outer space. So all my blood, all the blood vessels in my body and my eyes and everything would start exploding instantly. So I, I really got to go with Lion on this one. Um, don't get me wrong, being in outer space would be cool. But I think being in outer space without <laughs> and, and your body exploding at the same time um, would not be cool. So uh, I think a lion in New York City, no matter how long it lasts, would be way cooler than being in outer space. So what would I do with a billion dollars? <laughs> you said you can't give it to charity. That kind of had to laugh because that wouldn't happen. Uh, I wouldn't be giving it to charity. If I had a billion dollars, I would just be like, you know what? I really like working my job and uh, not having everything I want. So uh, here, I'm just going to give it all away. Not to say that I wouldn't give some of it away, but, you know, for fun purposes. We'll just say I, I'm, I'm not allowed to just give any, any of it away. And I can't buy it all on one thing. Boy, first of all, you know, have a couple houses couple. I say a couple. That's kind of, uh, I, I would have several houses in just in various places that I like to live or that I've liked visiting. Um, I probably have a main house, not really sure where, but, uh, in any case, there would definitely be a money bin somewhere around there. And much like Scrooge McDuck, I would have all my money converted into gold coins so that I could swim around in it. Um, I'm not really sure. I think it would take a while to learn how to do that. And I'm kind of hoping that I could swim in gold coins. But um, I'd figure it out. I, you know what I'd do? I'd pay someone to teach me how to swim in gold coins so that I could do it. And I would just post videos of it on YouTube and send all of them to you guys. So you would be jealous the whole time about all the, the gold coin swimming that was going on. And then I would buy a lion, and I would set it loose in New York City. Uh, my favorite favorite Chef Boyardee entree. I don't really know that you can attach the word entree to, uh, to anything with Chef Boyardee. Um, boy, as a kid, I freaking loved the raviolis in a can. But having worked at Kids Country recently, uh, well, recently, shit, that was, what, 15 years ago? Um, and, and eating the, the raviolis that, that come out of the can, they're just, it's not food. It's like the margarine of, of Italian food. Only there are no, there are zero additional health benefits for it. So I got, I got, I can't, I can't say anything. I actually hate SpaghettiOs. I think the fact that the sauce is like really sweet is disgusting to me. I think that's a Midwest thing. Um, we stayed with Betsy's 
Betsy's or Betsy's family came out to the Lake Tahoe trip one time, and they got um, they brought uh, there. Somebody made a spaghetti sauce, her famous spaghetti sauce, and I and I had it, and it was good, but it was really sweet. And I don't understand why they would make it sweet. I mean, a little sugar, yeah, that's great, but like sweet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't just doesn't jive with what I'm used to. And the last question, the last thought, the last thought-provoking question: What would I be doing without insurance? I wouldn't be married to my wife. Um, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at now. I'd probably be working at UPS, which my cousin works at UPS, and he's got a great job there. Um, the drivers that work there have a lot of money, uh, or make a lot of money, I should say. Um, they make, I don't know, last I heard they made $70,000 a year. And that was just like, that was back in like early two thousands. So they probably make even more now. Plus it's a union job. So that's sweet. Those unions really take care of their employees to the point of ruining companies sometimes, but I'm not going to get into that. So yeah, if I wasn't doing insurance, I don't know. I, I I wish I had an exciting answer. Like I'd be a writer or I'd be painting or I would have been an actor or something. But alas, uh, the realistic answer to that question is probably probably doing something similar along the same lines or working at UPS. Uh, so that's my end of this. And I have uh, a couple thought-provoking questions for you, Mike. Uh, since Halloween is coming around the corner, I was thinking about asking you what your, f- you know, top three, top five scariest movies of are of all time. Um, but that, I don't know, you go ahead and throw those out there if you want, if you have three or five that you've categorized already. But I thought about it a little bit more. And I'd have to say, what are the th- top three or top five uh, most disappointing movies uh, or scary, most disappointing scary movies you've ever seen of all time. Um, you know, you see, you hear about so many scary movies and you go and watch them and you're just like, really? That's what people were so afraid of. I got to go with some of the, the paranormal activity movies. Um, the first one was pretty good. Uh, but the second one was just awful. It was just not even scary at all. I like that it took place in San Diego. That was cool. A little shout out to to the SD. Always cool to see San Diego in films. But it just wasn't that scary, the second one. It was really disappointing. Um, Another another really disappointing one for me is The Ring. And I'll I'll admit that while it did scare me the first time I saw it, after watching it a second or even a third time, and just kind of thinking about it, you just realize as the movie goes along, nothing happens. Nothing. You, you, you sit there and you, you know, you, you're know you scared and there's like so much tension that builds throughout the whole movie. But nothing scary ever happens until the very end when some grunge little grunge girl pops out of the TV and then people just get scared because she comes out of the TV. Not to say that I wouldn't if that happened to me, but it's just a movie. And, and that's at least that's what I tell myself when I go to sleep at night. And then they just wake up with this really weird look on their face and they're all gray. So I have to, I have to throw the ring in there. Um, 
having trouble thinking of a third one. I don't know. Maybe you can help me out with that. Maybe talk about, expand on what I said or uh, anything else, uh, any other movies that you felt were a little disappointing in terms of the horror genre. I'm not necessarily talking about like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, which I thought the first two or the first movie in those series were great. And obviously once you get to like seven or eight, this gets pretty stupid. I'm not even sure how people can find those scary after a while. It just gets, just becomes a caricature of itself. Anyway, so I throw that to you. Uh, the top three or top four or five uh, most disappointing scary movies that you've ever seen. So I throw it back to you, back into Mike's corner, and uh, see if we can keep this going. Later. Good day, Rob. Or should I say, good morning. For I am coming to you at the ungodly hour of 421 AM. Um, basically, you recorded your last bit for us uh, last night, and uh, after I had fallen asleep on the couch watching the, uh, you know, the Angels and the uh, Royals battling it out in Game One, which the Royals took, and I really don't care. Um, fell asleep, uh, woke up around eh, one o'clock, one thirty, and I just uh, had to go do some work on the computer. Uh, did some editing, sent out a, a new cut of a video, and uh, just thought I'd sit down and catch up to your, uh, your response. So, uh, yes, very good answers. Uh, I will go through them here uh, right now. Correct, correct, false, and correct. Um, as for your question about movies, this is going to be a top... I don't even think I can give you a top three, top five, nothing. Um, there are tons of disappointing horror films. There's just tons of them. You know, movies that are trying to scare you, their intentions are noble, you want to have a, an audience of people screaming and shivering in their chairs uh, like The Exorcist did in the in the late 70s or like the, uh, you know, uh, Poltergeist might have done in the early 80s or like maybe The Blair Witch Project did to maybe half the audience in the late 90s. Things like that. You want that in a good horror film. Now, you're talking about movies that you didn't think were all that great, like Paranormal Activity 2. All right. Well, I have a soft spot for the Paranormal Activity movies because I'm a big fan of the entire found footage um, genre of films. And whether it's a comedy, which uh, there was a great one called um, Forgotten Silver that was made by Lord of the Rings, King Kong director, Peter Jackson. Um, and he did this, God, before he was, you know, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, he was just an independent filmmaker who'd made some schlocky horror films and things like that. But uh, he made this great found footage documentary, and it was about um, actually finding old, old film, and it was hilarious. So check that out if you get it. I saw it in film school. They showed it to us in a documentary class in the form of a mockumentary. Um, but it, before the term was popular, found footage, uh, that was what um, that really was. It was a documentary made about some footage that had been found, according to this story. And it was fake, but it was very funny. Um, now that's a popular genre. Found footage is, uh, is a huge genre. I'd say the first big breakout one was the Blair Witch Project. And then Paranormal Activity took it to another level. I love those movies because I love how... They uh, are inventive about pretending that this wasn't actually made 
by a movie studio. There was no film crew around. So I really love that. It's very inventive, and I can't help but like all of the paranormal activities, including uh, the fifth one. They did a fifth one that hardly anybody saw, but it was kind of geared toward the Latino community. Um, and I forget what it was called, but it was there's Paranormal Activity 4 with the young girl, um, and those all tie into the first one. And so does the fifth one, even. It's all based on the same cult and the same curse and all that stuff. I, you know, movies don't actually scare me, so I can't really say that this one was scary and that one wasn't. Uh, but there are certain degrees to which the fright factor or the creep factor certainly are more or less um, potent, uh, more effective or less effective. And so, I don't know, I'd have to say, uh, I can't give you a top three or top five disappointing films, but then you also mentioned, I wanted to get back to, you mentioned The Ring. I I only saw it the one time, but I loved it, and it wasn't really, I mean, it had a a spooky, kind of macabre uh, overtone to it, Um, but it was, to me, a really good detective film, like a thriller that was set in kind of a supernatural um, basis. And for that, I really appreciated it. I thought it was a great, uh, whodunit in a way, like what is really causing all this. And the more they got down to it, the more it got more supernatural and more, more, um, revealed to be, uh, something that wasn't of this earth or whatever. So I really dug that. Um, and then there were movies that really surprised me as horror films because they were not what you went in and expecting. If you watch Tucker and Dale versus evil, uh, you come to find out it's it's a zombie horror film kind of thing in a way, but it's not really zombies. But it's a cabin in the woods type of movie. Uh, and, and I don't mean like the literal cabin in the woods, which was the other one I was going to mention. But, you know, one of those like, oh, there's a scary house in the woods and some creepy people like Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing. Um, another one that was great in its day and is not really held up, but but is still fun to watch historically. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil turns out to be hilarious. If you haven't seen it, gotta check it out. One of the best, uh, fun Halloween-type movies ever. Um, total surprise. I saw it on Netflix, had no idea what it was, and was blown away. Um, the other one was, as I mentioned, uh, The Cabin in the Woods. I went to see this with a friend of mine. We thought it was supposed to be straight-ahead horror. Um, that's what it was advertised as. Turned out to be kind of a farce, a Joss Whedon, um, kind of tongue-in-cheek, postmodern horror film that uh, incorporates some sci-fi and some humor in a way that was completely, it's still hard to define. There's no genre for this. It's, it's, it's set in the horror genre, but then it takes a weird sci-fi twist and comedic twist that there is no combination of that which has a name. So, um, gotta see Cabin in the Woods if you haven't seen that. It takes itself seriously, and then it stops taking itself seriously, and then it goes way overboard in the ridiculous factor, and then comes back to being serious, and it's it's just so much fun to watch. Um, so those kind of things have surprised me. And then, I gotta say the ones that I do like lately, because it is hard to find some that are really just good horror films... Um, I was also going to mention that the problem is a lot of them are remakes now. They're remaking Evil Dead and stuff like that. Um, there's no reason for that. There's, there's no reason to make a million remakes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and 
the Amityville horror and things like that. That drives me nuts. Just make something new. I get that you're trying to make a few bucks and you're trying to incorporate uh, audiences to check out old material, but because you think young kids won't see an old movie, you got to remake it. Well, I think you're underestimating the kids out there. Um, I think if you give them a platform to see it, they'll see it, but I know you're trying to make a few bucks. So that's the Hollywood machine, but you know what? People fight against that. Don't just go see the remakes of everything. Uh, Check out the original films and and honor those for their originality. But some of the really good ones that I like recently that kind of play off old themes and classic horror uh, films like The Conjuring that came out recently, uh, a few years ago. Um, And getting back to found footage ones, there was a, I don't know, Portuguese or Spanish film um, called Record or R-E-C. It was just spelled out R-E-C with a little red dot. Um, amazing found footage film. Uh, there was also, uh, what was the other one that I really liked? Um, it's hard to do this without a list in front of me. Um, it was a couple of, there was a couple found footage ones that I really liked. I think it was, maybe that was the record one I'm thinking. No, it was another, oh, it was VHS. So again, it's very similar (laughs) title and premise anyway. VHS was a very cool found footage collection of several what turned out to be in the story uh, VHS tapes um, of people who ran into, uh, well, met a bad end by some sort of uh, horrifying or supernatural creatures or or whatever, and uh, very good found footage stuff. So there's tons to be disappointed by out there. There's almost everything out there is disappointing. But I'm just kind of mentioning the things that are a little less disappointing, things that actually got a thumbs up from me. So other than that, I don't know. I don't have anything to talk about as far as disappointing horror films because that's the vast majority of them. Um, and I just avoid those. I don't. I can just tell that it's going to be stupid. Um, you know, Saw two through twelve or whatever. They were all dumb. The first one was interesting and and new. The rest just kind of piggybacked off that. And I I didn't see anything past two because I could tell it was all just. Uh, pandering to the audience that liked the first one and, and kind of insulting their intelligence by saying, here's the same thing over and over again. Uh, speaking of Saw, the ones I don't like, I always have found disappointing because they're not true horror. I think Eli Roth is the king of this, is the torture porn. Um, Hostel and Saw and those types of movies are just mutilation films. They're just torture porn. And for people who are into that, great. But I think that's pretty sick and twisted. Um, A good horror film does not... And this is a great topic for Halloween because there's a ton of movies and tons of ways to watch them out there now. Um, I always recommend going after the classics. Like I said, Amityville Horror, The Exorcist. um, God, go out to the 60s. Rosemary's Baby is creepy as hell. And it's just, it's a different kind than we're used to in this modern era, but it's just such a great, it's a Roman Polanski film with, um, well, you'll recognize some of the names in it, but check it out. I can't remember them off the top of my head, even though I would, as soon as I see it, I would go, of course, that's their name. Uh, the one that was married to Woody Allen for a little, Mia Farrow, I think she's the one. Great film. Creepy as hell. Great, weird, crazy ending. Uh, and the, and the lady from, um, uh, Maud and Harold and Maud. The lady from Harold and Maud is in that one too. I uh, can't remember her name, but she's amazing in that. Um, 
watch some of those classics and watch the watch the 80s movies that were just uh kind of schlocky horror films but were so much fun uh you know all the um Halloween I think Halloween and Halloween 2 are a couple of the best horror films ever John Carpenter at his best um those are classics but yeah all these remakes uh, even Rob Zombie remaking the Halloween films eh, I like that he's an expert he's a real connoisseur of the horror genre so I think Rob Zombie pays a lot of attention to uh what is to be done right but I still don't think he's a master of horror films check out Psycho check out some um some other Hitchcock films that are not so much thrillers and um you know Rear Window is kind of more of an adventurous creepy but not like supernatural not murderous I mean there is some murder in it but it's just kind of like a whodunit and how are we going to catch him kind of movie um, most of his movies were like that, but Psycho was the one that took a really creepy, uh, axe murderer type, um, plunge. And that's why that one kind of stands out among Hitchcock films. Um, yeah, I have nothing else on that. I, I could go on for days about that, but I don't have any, I don't have a list of disappointing horror films, except that, you know, they didn't need to make Scream 3 or 4 or whatever. They didn't need to make um, all these remakes and sequels and sequels and remakes. It's just uh, an abundance of those. One that I'll recommend, um, check out Grave Encounters on Netflix. Uh, a guy I worked with on a zombie, a short zombie film of years ago is in that. And I was kind of surprised by that one. I liked it. Um, there's a web series that has gone nowhere, but it's about the, uh, it's called Marble Hornets. Uh, which is a really weird name, but it's because of, it, it's kind of a, a cryptic name on purpose, but it's based on something entirely unrelated. But the cryptic, or the, the Marble Hornets um, web series is about the mythology of the Slenderman creature. And uh, it's a lot of homemade, you know, guys strapping GoPros and, and cell phones onto themselves and going and doing investigations. And People go missing and they're hunting down their friends and trying to find their friends who've gone missing and things like that. So watch the first season, I think they called it, of that. Don't expect it to go anywhere, but enjoy the creepy uh, found footage style or, or homemade video camera style stuff. And then, um, gosh, what Annabelle is coming out this weekend. So it's a prequel to The Conjuring about that creepy doll that was in The Conjuring. Again, original stuff, uh, James Wan. Uh, is a is a good filmmaker, and he's uh, I think he's a producer on this one. He may not be directing it, but he did The Conjuring, which was brilliant. Um, and uh, what was the other one I liked that was in that genre? Insidious, I think that was a, a good one too. And I I didn't see the sequel, but uh, I may have to check that out this Halloween. Uh, Rob, I'm gonna send it back over to you because it's time for me to actually go to bed. Um, but I'm gonna ask you. What are your favorite Halloween movies? Let's come up with... Let's do a top five favorite Halloween movies. I can actually put in a few that I've mentioned already, but I'll have to come up with a list too. Top five Halloween movie favorite... Like, if you were to sit down and have a little party, a movie party, Halloween movie party, what would you show? Uh, And I'll try to... When I hear yours, I'll try to come up with five different ones. Um, And in fact, we should do like a Halloween thing. You want to do something fun for Halloween, Rob? Should we go trick-or-treating? If we go trick-or-treating... Uh, uh, can I be, uh, Shaggy and you be Scooby-Doo? That'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, check, check that out. Go, go come up with a list of those, uh, top five Halloween movies that are just good, fun, creepy ones. 
if I could make the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes, like seasons, well, they, they, they did the first Halloween special in season two. So like season two through 10, those are my, those are my go-to, um, Halloween put, put me in the mood for Halloween viewing stuff, but they're not movies. So we'll, we'll make a list and let's try to, uh, let's try to keep like movies like Alien in more of a sci-fi genre than a horror genre, even though they were and like Event Horizon, I get it. It's a horror film, but it's also very like, Hey, we're in outer space stuff. So let's try to keep it to things that are just really good, creepy, Halloweeny, supernatural monster movies, things like that. Sound good? All right, signing off at 4.36 in the a.m. This is Mike at Mike's Corner. Over to you, Rob. Welcome back over to the Rob side of things here in Rob's Corner. Uh, Responding to Mike's recent uh, addition to this back-and-forth podcast we're doing regarding horror movies. Um, He posed to me what my favorite horror movies are. Um... I do agree with you. There were a lot of really good good movies in there. Um, one thing I didn't agree with you, Mike, is the Event Horizon thing. I know it takes place on a in a on a spaceship and in space, and but I really think that that's definitely more of a horror movie. I mean, the things that are in that ship aren't really explained by science. It's not like an alien or something that's coming to get them. It's creatures from hell, basically. Um, and I think that really made it more of a horror movie. And just the fact that they did a really good job of, of trapping uh, the characters where they were at. It wasn't like they could really go anywhere. You know, they're hundreds of millions of miles away from Earth. And you're in space. You can't can't really go anywhere. I don't know. That was one thing that really drew me to that one. Is they're just all kind of fucked in that one. Um that was another thing that I really like about horror movies um, is how they do a good, whether or not they do a good job of explaining why these people don't leave, which is one thing I kind of don't really like about the haunted house ones, haunted house movies or whatever is just cause why don't you just leave like Amityville? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. You're tied into the house because you, you've put all this money into it, but I mean, you're not physically unable to leave. So, while I do enjoy a good ghost movie, I, I don't know, that that part kind of bugged me a little bit about it. Um, uh, another one you mentioned that I really loved was Grave Encounters. Uh, I, mostly because I was, for a time, I was really into those, um, like, paranormal, paranormal state and ghost hunters and stuff. Uh, I was really into those shows for a while, for, until I realized that nothing ever really happens. They go like, oh, my God, what was that? And they turn the camera and maybe, you know, and you you never see anything. And then, well, let's, let's check the EVP. Let's see if we picked up a recording. And then the recording, they play it back, and it's always like. And they're like, oh, my God, it said you all are going to die. And they play it a thousand times. And during none of those playbacks that they do, does any of it sound like. Oh my God! They're going. You're going to die. The the best one was when they went to some theater that was supposedly haunted by John Wilkes Booth, and they the playback on that was just ridiculous. They, they're like, "Oh my God!" He says, "I am John Wilkes Booth," and they play it over and over again, and it doesn't sound like anything. So anyway, um, I was into those shows for a while until I realized they were just total horse shit, and uh, 
got out of it, stop watching them, and then this movie Grave Encounters comes along, which is a show about a team that does these types of shows where they go to various haunted places and they set up cameras everywhere and they talk about um, the legends and the and the lore surrounding the place and the different ghost stories of you know firsthand accounts of of ghost stories from people who have visited the building, work in the building, what have you. And things just go really south really fast. And just, I freaking loved it. I thought it was so, so awesome the way they did it. They made it look very realistic. Um, and the way they trapped the people in the building was also very awesome. Um, so going on from there, as far as scary, scary movies, I, I do have to give it to Paranormal Activity. Um, the first one, that one was really good. And I think my favorite thing about it is, is that they never really show the ghost, not to say that they don't show what it's doing and the paranormal things that it's doing, but they never really give the ghost a face, which kind of leaves more to the imagination. You mentioned the conjuring and maybe it was because I watched it during the day. Um, I didn't try and get the, the super creepy factor out of it. Um, which I probably should have and feel like maybe I robbed myself, but I had to watch it when I could, and that was when I could watch it, so that's when I watched it. Um, but I kind of hated how they like showed the, the, I don't know, the creepy witch that was in it. When they give the ghost a face, I don't know, it kind of takes a, a little bit of the creepy factor away from me. Maybe if you're just going to show it for like a second, but um, when you have the ghost like appearing out of nowhere on top of the the cabinet and like jumping on somebody or uh, down in the basement when it was hanging from the ceiling. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't as scary as I thought it could have been based on the stories that I read about what actually happened with that place. Like it probably could have been done a little better in my opinion, but that's me. So then that brings me to cabin in the woods. Um, what that was, that was a surprise to me. And that's kind of what I was going for. You mentioned that, yeah, the, okay, there's obviously a lot of really crappy horror movies out there, but you don't really expect them to be any good. I don't know. I, I've had some where I went, and I expected it to be really scary, and it was kind of lame. That's why I brought up the one, the, the films that I did bring up. Um, so obviously there's a ton of just absolute shit out there, which, on the other hand, kind of makes it entertaining because... Um, some of them are just so bad that it just makes you wonder or, you know, you just have to laugh at it. It's just it, unintentional comedy is what it, what I love to call it. You know, you get movies like Dead Snow, which I don't think was intending to be fully scary, but um, was just entertaining as hell. Just so fun to watch. Um, just a, it was a movie with Nazi zombies in it. For those of you who don't know, uh, it was a Norwegian movie. Uh, takes place up in the mountains of course these kids go to a cabin and uh horrible things ensues ensue there were some great deaths death death scenes in it um very original but again not really all that scary but very entertaining if you're into like cheesy gore stuff like that uh frankenstein's army was another one like that where you know you follow this group of of Russian soldiers who are invading into uh, into Germany during World War II, and they happen across this crazy lab filled with all kinds of experimental creatures that are in there, um, half machine, half man type stuff. That one that one was entertaining. It wasn't great, but it was it was probably worth a watch. 
definitely a good creepy factor. Um, you and then talking about kids going into cabins in the woods, uh, cabin in the woods. I gotta agree with you there. That was probably the most surprisingly entertaining movie I've seen in a long time. Um, I love that they try to put this uh, spin on why there's always five people that go to a cabin, why two of them are dating, and then there's just this kind of fifth wheel person who's there just sort of tagging along, why they always get trapped there. Um, And then the whole behind-the-scenes stuff where you've got the people pulling the strings on what's happening in the cabin to the people. Um, I'm not going to say too much more than that, I'm not giving anything away cause that's kind of how the movie starts and they established that in the very beginning, but really good. If you want to watch it, it, it's, it's such a, it was one of the most, I don't want to say original, but just original spins maybe on, uh, on the horror genre. That one was definitely up there. Um, again, don't really know that it's a horror movie, but, um, you can't, you told me no sci-fi. I can't do the th- so I can't mention the thing. Well, I can't say that it's in my top five horror movies because that's definitely more sci-fi. It's more of an alien movie, but that was one of my favorite John Carpenter movies. Uh, I never really saw Rosemary's Baby, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, the Exorcist, yeah, that one was really good too. Um, I don't know, that one didn't scare me as much as some of the other ones. It was really well done. Um, <laughs> apparently if you just shout the power of Christ compels you to a demon, it makes them go away. And I just have this, I don't know. One thing for me, you, you mentioned you don't get scared by movies. I, I kind of do. I don't know. I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I can't hide the fact that they did that. It, movies, scary movies do scare me if they're done. Well, uh, I just have this, I always try and empathize with the character in the movie. I think that's why I liked Blair Witch so much. It's because I was there with them in the woods and all this crazy shit was happening. And it was just so, that movie was so new and so fresh in terms of an idea and how it was presented. And I know the idea of being out camping and having scary sounds, that that kind of rings home with me. Just in the few, the very, very few times I've been camping, you know, you always hear noises out there. And in, in your mind, you're just like, oh, that's probably just this. But in, you're also like, what in the fuck was that? That's just an unearthly sound. So I, I pulling myself into the, the character roles really, really helps me. Only now I'm starting to realize that I kind of like the feeling of being scared. I like that a movie can get my, you know my pulse racing a little bit. And now I find myself like sitting there rooting, rooting for the ghost or the creature or whatever. Like, okay, pop out now. Come on, scare me. Like do it, do your worst. And I, I really hope that it does scare me. Uh, that just, I think those make it more entertaining for me. I'm not going to say that horror movies, my favorite genre genre. I don't think that's true, but I do enjoy them a great deal and love to go see them. Love to go to the theaters and see them. Although it's almost kind of scary to watch them by yourself. Just because when you're in a theater, obviously you have all those other people around you. So it's not like, I don't know, I can't pull myself in as much. And when I do, I'm like, well, I'm surrounded by other people. So it's, it's almost like a protection and it takes me out of it a little bit. Um, so 
that's all I've got on the topic. I don't know if you want to wrap this up now. Uh, otherwise, give me another question. Shoot me something else. I don't really have anything at the moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, let me know if you got something you want to throw back or if uh, we're good here. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I think you, uh, you're you on to some stuff there. Uh, first thing I want to address uh, that you mentioned is it's not that scary movies don't actually scare me, but they don't scare me for, like, hours or days after the movie's over. There's a tension in the movie. There's a tension in the moment. But I've also spent enough time on uh, film and video sets uh, or for, like, commercials or independent, independent films I, I see actors acting in front of a big camera and a crew and lights and and rigs of all sorts. And I know that that's actually happening around this. So part of me can't get too scared because I know it's all pretend. Because I've literally seen behind the scenes. I've seen how these moments are created um, for the camera. So as much as I want to lose myself, and I often do, I, I think I, the reason I still love movies is because I can still let that go. I can still have my, um, you know, what's the term for that? Um, suspension of disbelief. I can still suspend that um, knowledge or that that uh, concept in my mind, from coming into my the forefront of my mind anyway. But there's always the subconscious that, yeah, I know I'm watching a movie. I know these are actors. I know this is a script that was written, produced. Um, someone came up with a budget for it. Someone designed the lighting scheme and the, and the shot and the angle and the lens choice and all that sort of thing. Um, there are actors making choices about how to deliver a line or how to make a facial expression while they're listening to another actor. I know all about that stuff that goes into it. I've, I work in that world enough that that kind of keeps me from um, jumping out of my seat too much. I also feel like I really do anticipate those jump out moments. I really know, I kind of feel when they're coming and I love watching whoever I'm hanging out with or uh, I used to, when my friend Mike uh, shares the same name as me, shout out to Deputy Mike if he's ever listening to these. I'd go see a movie with it. He liked to go to scary movies too. So we would go to see like, I know we went to see uh, a few years ago, um, drag me to hell, which a lot of people didn't like. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a fun movie, semi scary, but it, it had a decent plot and a decent story and some good acting and stuff like that. And, and a surprise twist ending that I did not see coming. Um, Mike would jump three feet out of his chair at those gotcha moments at those boo kind of moments and I would just crack up because I didn't move. I mean, I might have flinched a little bit, but that, not even visibly. You couldn't even tell that I was flinching, but it might be on the inside. I did a little, uh, <laughs> a little moment of that. But Mike would jump out of his seat and I would just laugh at him. The same thing happened with when we would watch Paranormal Activity. He would get so anxious and he would jump sky high. And that was fun to see. And I, I don't know if you do that, Rob. I don't think you do that quite as much. But there is a moment of... Um, anxiety before those moments or in those super creepy moments in a movie where you know something supernatural is happening or something that or like a kid is alone in a room with a spirit or some sort of force and you just know that it's going to take advantage of this kid and, and scare the shit out of him or harm him or something or her and just kind of the situation is right for a ghost or a paranormal activity of some sort to happen. And, um, and I just, I see it coming, but I, I also, I know 
that that is a tense situation in the movie, and I do get kind of anxious for that. So I won't say I don't get scared by movies. I just don't get scared by overall, like, that whole movie scared me so much that I can't sleep for days. That doesn't really happen to me. Um, I'll notice after watching, like, the, I watched The Conjuring at, like, midnight on my own in a dark room on my laptop, which is a good 17-inch screen. And when you're up close, it's literally taking up the same um, space in your field of view as a, a movie theater movie theater screen would take up in your field of view. So uh, there is something to say about up close with a video screen versus a big screen in a theater. It's still taking up a certain percentage that is uh, similar uh, from the small screen to the big screen based on um, how much uh, field of view is being taken up. So I did that alone. I let it scare me as much as possible. And I enjoy that. Like you said, it's like being on a roller coaster ride. It's that thrill of being scared and like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> and then it goes away. And I, and I know that that night I went to bed in a dark house by myself. And I was like, I should be, if I were a different person, this would probably be very scary for me at this moment to go to bed like this. But um, to go, you know, in the, in the late night, all alone, creepy sounds all around. <laughs> and uh, I should be terrified because of this movie I just watched. And I'm not. And I just went to sleep. And that's just my personality. So it's, it's a few of those things. But um, yeah, that's, that's a good episode on uh, scary movies. It's just the beginning of October. And I think we're going to record another podcast in the next few days here. Uh, so this will be uh, close on the heels of our next one. Um, maybe we'll talk more about good scary movies for Halloween, or even just dumb, funny, scary movies for Halloween. Um, Ernest, uh, Ernest scared stupid or something like that. So, uh, let's, let's wrap this one up. This has, uh, been a really weird episode of a patchwork quilt of podcasting from iPhone to iPhone back and forth across, uh, several days. And, uh, we will commence recording again in a normal situation. Um, I know this has been kind of boring because it's just listening to one person at a time, no actual interaction back and forth, uh, except for, you know what I mean. And uh, we'll wrap it up. So for Rob, this is Mike saying we will catch you on the flip side. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, signing off. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.